I see waveforms forming like waves crashing upon your ears. Mm. This is a fancy box you guys have, by the way. As fancy as it is, it doesn't work great. <laughs> <laughs> well, you get to a level of you spend enough money, it's not like a, you have to have the right it's cables and have the right drivers. I'm sure, very it can, complicated. I'm sure it very can complicated. do lots of awesome things. Yeah, a lot of debugging. It's just hard to, to do. It right. Shockingly. Or if you knew what you were doing, I'm sure you could do it real quick. Yeah. It's scary is what I'm saying. It's scary. It looks like it belongs in a Ghostbusters in like the back of their car. That's a good segue. Mm-hmm. Hey, everyone, and welcome to a spooky episode of Frame Rate, the podcast where we rate frames. I'm one of your hosts, Michael Swain. With me, as always, is... Abe Epperson, the other host. Yep. And? And what? There's oh. an apparition oh, behind uh, us. I guess. Hey, y'all. It's a guest. What's your name, guest? Robert. 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 Evans. Okay, good. Who the fuck are you? It's 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 possible that I walked through a cloud of marijuana vapor on the way here, and it, it hit me too much. That Just Robert. Happened. We're so close to keeping this network to like a Christian network. It's, I know? called Jeff Sessions about it. Don't worry. Okay. I've let him know that somebody was smoking the reefer in okay. this neighborhood. I should say right up top, this episode is sponsored by a very generous, cool, cool bean, Morgan McAdam who picked both the film that we're covering today and specially requested Robert Evans to cover it with us. So thank you, Morgan, for your support. Bravo, Morgan. What do you think about that, Robert? Someone paid 100 of the, uh, r- their own real dollars for you to discuss the film we're going to discuss. <laughs> you didn't tell me that until now, and that puts a whole different spin on things. Uh, I, I don't know what to do with that information. That's a strange thing to just have living in my head. But forever now, I will know that someone thought it was worth $100 to know my take on The Green Room. On The Green Room. And I don't know what to do with that information, but I know that now, and I can't unknow it. So thank you, Morgan McAdam. (laughs) So we are covering Green Room, the awesome thriller from 2015, written and directed by Jeremy Solinaire. Solinier? Sure. Abe's shrugging at me. Solinier sounds right. I like Solinier. It sounds fancy. It sounds French, and this is an anti-Nazi movie. Sure. And who hates the Nazis more than the French? The Russians. The Russians, for (laughs) sure. For sure, the Russians. Speaking of the Russians, Anton Yelchin of, uh, I believe, Bones fame. Is he Bones? This movie's a regular World War II. Is he in Star Trek? No, in Star Trek, I think he's Oh, no, he's uh, Uh, he's Chekhov. 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 Sorry. Chekhov's and he's phaser. been in a few. He was in a few other movies. This is the last movie that he did. Uh, I think it wasn't the last movie. There's a posthumous one, but this is the last film that came out while he was. That alive. he filmed while he was because he tragically yeah. died. Well, how old was he? He was like twenties. He was very young. Twenties, probably. That's depressing. Moving on. Jim Poots is also in it. Analia Shockett. I also don't know that one. Is it Shockett or Shockhat? I can't believe we're just rolling right past Imogene Poots. <laughs> <laughs> the name? Yeah. I was trying to not like wallow in the gutter with that. But That's, <laughs> it just has to be acknowledged. You can't not. Is it because of the poops? It's because <laughs> of the poots. Of course it's because of well, the poops. Well, you thought it was the Imogene that bothered? <laughs> yeah, yeah like, I, was I got sure. no issue with Imogene. Yeah. But poots. <laughs> I think it's Imogene because there's no extra E at the end. No. It's easy to remember because it's like, imagine poots. <laughs> just mm. imagine them. <laughs> 
Um, and Aaliyah, who you may know is maybe from Arrested Development, but who's had a great career since then. I think she picks good shit. Maybe. Yeah, I've seen her in a few maybe. things. I'd never seen the... Um, no, that's Anne. That's Egg. <laughs> I'd never seen Anton Yelchin in anything besides Star Trek in this. Right. And I really liked him in this. Yeah. Like he's, he's, he's good. He's not like a super flamboyant character, so he's not out in front a lot, but he's good. No, none of them really are. And yeah. I think that's so... It's in a nutshell... I think the way they sold this movie in the room was definitely a punk band fights some Nazis in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. Uh, And it is beautiful when you're not just inside the horrible punk venue. Uh, But that's basically it. So, yeah, we originally get introduced to this punk band, which is so there's some. We just blew past one of the most amazing cast yeah, Choices. go ahead. I'm trying to leave some stuff for Patrick you guys Stewart. to talk about. Yeah. yeah, Patrick fucking Stewart. He fucking kills the show. Peace mm-hmm. too, as the skinhead, which I guess he always was. But Who's now another Star Trek alum. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's true. Different Star Treks. Right. That's what, I'm wondering if he and Yelchin shout the shit about Star Trek on set. They must Probably have. not. There no? are, there are times know. in this where I imagine it as like a, like a, a, a whatchamacallit, that this was in the same canon as The Next Generation. Yeah. And Picard just took a real hard right turn when he got old and a little bit senile, started running Nazi stuff in the Northwest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so basically, if you haven't seen it, he's the owner of the club, an unrepentant Nazi racist and heroin dealer. And also activist. <laughs> he's a Nazi activist. Activist. He's, he's tr- running race workshops. He, he refers to people, and I think he would call himself as true believers in the mm-hmm. cause. Yeah, he runs, what's the thing? He's like wrapping up the show early because they got to murder these kids. Yeah. And he's like, and don't forget the being white is all right meditation workshop on Wednesday or some shit. All I'm saying is Jean-Luc Picard, as we saw through multiple versions of TNG, one of his ways in which he like dies out and ends his life is a farmer. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. He also That's not all you're saying. You're also saying... That Jean-Luc Picard is a goddamn Nazi, and I won't stand for it, sir. <laughs> well, I'm just saying enough time has it that, like, these people... That's what, what, you, I'm what saying. do you mean by people? What do you mean these I people? I don't know what <laughs> Captain this Jean-Luc episode Picard took a hard right turn. thinks. He could be horribly racist in later in life. You don't know. I don't think so after but all maybe, the aliens. Well, actually, no, smooches. now I'm back on Abe's side because we know as of the generations that Picard's family mm-hmm. burned to death mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. a horrible fire. Yeah. Maybe the fire was set by an illegal immigrant and yeah. he, he just went nuts. What? <laughs> in the 30th century, what would you even consider an illegal 23rd immigrant? 23rd century. Yeah, that's, 23rd. that's a hard one to find. Yeah. It's hard to justify yeah. racism and speciesism. Yeah. In the that's year not our job. It's just to justify the potential timeline. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Of, and I find no, that it's, it's that's plausible. not our job either. I'm going to get us back it's on possible. the rails with it's a fun possible. fact. Did you know Patrick Stewart, when he read the script, he said he was so scared by it? Which I find this adorable. Because if you see him on Twitter, he's like, always Like, did he posting. hide in a corner? He's always... Yeah, he did hide and see in the hamper. I'm hiding now. Um, if you see him on Twitter, he, he mostly posts pictures of him, like, hugging his dog. Yeah. Um, but yeah, after he read it, he was so scared because he was alone in the house that he, like, locked all the doors and windows, turned all the lights on, drank a scotch, mm. and, like, <laughs> sat under a blanket. And it, then Colton's like, I'll do it. <laughs> it is that kind of movie. It's that kind of movie. Yeah, you that gotta it's, it's, really inspect it. It's what I like about it as a, I guess you could call it, like, a horror movie, although that doesn't quite get it what it is. I like 
just the horror action, horror thriller. Yeah, but there's no there's no real like jump scare moments. There's things that happen suddenly, but it's all set up. You know what's happening. It's like the horrifying inevitability of the violence is what's mm. scary about it, rather mm. than it coming as a surprise or like because th- th- these aren't scary Nazis. Like they're doing scary things, but they're all like just normal people, and you see them clearly enough. They're not like, cartoonish Nazis by any stretch. Yeah. Like you even think the Nazis from season five of Breaking Bad are less real than yeah. these Nazis. These Nazis really seem like, oh, they're just you know your average like asshole from a small town mm-hmm. who's a dick, and it has impulse control and is willing to do violence when they <clears throat> after they mosh and go crazy because yeah. they listen to songs Punk called Meat Grinder. Um, yeah, but I like that they go out of their way to show that the punk lifestyle can be loved too. Because like my, because that's the whole point, right? Mm-hmm. My little brother is a big punk guy, but also doesn't have a mean bone in his body. And there are mosh pits you can find where the dude's screaming punk shit, but everyone who gets knocked over, like everyone stops and helps them up, yeah. and everyone hugs and is right. all sweaty together and shit. So punk is just the media, right? And it's just about like high energy. Um, so you have this one band who literally instigates the crowd, like, because they decide to cover Dead Kennedy's Nazi punks fuck off as their opening thing. Cause they just are like, Oh, there's a bunch of Nazis here. I don't like Nazis. Yeah. <laughs> there's a Confederate flag in the green room. So yeah. they're like, do you guys want to like, there's a bunch of racist stuff in the green room. Oh yeah. yeah. Right. But like the, do you the, guys want to fuck with them? And they that's say so later, punk, yeah. but then we find out later. It's also super punk to slit someone's throat with a box cutter. I just yeah. want to give a little context. <laughs> That's because the punkest thing there is. I want to give a little context because it may have been a while since people have seen this. Like, because the premise is simple enough. As Michael said, it's you know punks killing Nazis, and this punk band is in particularly not having. They're in dire straits. They can't get money. They're siphoning gas from cars. After a series of two, like two bad shows, they're like, or basically like. Well, I got this one other show, man. So they're like, quote unquote, producer, just guy they know who tries to get them to go. He's interviewing them. He's like, there's this thing. Don't talk politics. Radio show. uh, Yeah. yeah, They do a podcast. Yeah. So he's like, they're just trying to get them out. But he's just like, is there a show we can do? Because we haven't really played a show and we didn't get, we got like $6 from the last one. It's stupid. He's like, well, this one's a little more lucrative. Uh, Don't talk politics. Like you can see in his eyes, which we'll talk about later. Like he's unsure of it, but he's like, I don't know if he knows or he doesn't know that there's like a good 20 of the 80 people there are like hardcore Nazis or red yeah, laces. Yeah, you, you get know? the impression. So this Tad is his name. He's got a wicked uh, Liberty Spikes mohawk. And he's, uh, what I gathered is they're on a low budget tour trying yeah. to like get their band off the ground. And he's seems like a genuine fan of theirs because he asked to interview them for his show. But he does know because he goes, he says straight up, like, there's going to be skinheads there. He says, don't talk politics, but they know what that means. They say, oh, there's going to be scalps and boots. And he's like, yeah, some, yeah, some. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. Portland. <laughs> like, it's the woods of the Pacific yeah. Northwest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Aaliyah Shockett, who you see throughout, is least likely to kill someone in a vicious way, right. is the most like reticent to abandon normal moors, is the one who's like, like how many should we go this Mm -hmm. doesn't seem like a great idea Mm -hmm. and in classic horror fashion everyone's like well we need the money let's go they need the money so they go (laughs) and like so there's a 
combination of Nazis and just <laughs> punk people probably, maybe some in the middle who are Nazi-leaning, but uh, not true red laces, as they call. Uh, and they say, start off with Nazis, fuck off. And then they play their set, and their set's good. Right before they're leaving, he goes to... Uh, What's her name? Maybe. That goes in for her phone. Oh, it's it? maybe goes yeah. for her phone. Slash Aaliyah Shockett. Because she's always the on her phone. Name? I think she's like, the only one who has a data plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like that's yeah, set up in the, the punk, beginning. The punk lifestyle. Yeah, so one uh, of them Sam, has a phone, Sam's one of them has a van, yeah, and they all so, have tall boys. And they witness a murder, a knife in the head. And so then at that point, which now we can just talk about whatever we want to, it now is just kind of like judge or just kind of like dread or the raid or any number of movies that have come out that are kind of horror violence movies like now it's just like you either get out or you die and the next hour and change is just going to be about that what i like about this though is that everyone is equally incompetent except for one person at the end Right. Like the the what's her name? The white haired girl is the only Imogen Poots. Imogen yeah. Poots <laughs> is the only person who shows any kind of competence. And other than that, the punks and the Nazis are all equally bad. Like Patrick Stewart is scary, but he doesn't have the situation under control at any point. Not fully. He's yeah. not superhuman and that's what makes it feel grounded. Yeah, and that's what I like about it, is that there's no monster in the sense that there's not some overwhelmingly powerful Right. malevolent force. They can it's, teleport or break logic. Yeah. Yeah. They have it's, guns and numbers. Yeah, and, yeah, but they're dumb, and the punk kids are dumb too, and yeah. nobody's really doing a great job at this, so we're the, just watching them both fuck up. But once we get introduced to Patrick Stewart, I wanted to talk about that, about how haunting he is, about like it yeah. It does show signs of intelligence. I mean, he covers his ass effectively le- uh, well, but someone who's like not particularly smart can learn these kinds of things. He's just doing all the things <laughs> that you would do if you think right. it through logically just cover and stay every, calm. Yeah. every aspect. This person knows, okay, well, they can't talk, so I'm going to give kill them, them. Drug, kill okay, them. Okay, what do I have? Yeah. Well, guys who will kill for me. He okay, will just I'll make go them kill super far. Yeah. It's and not that smart. When yeah. we were watching it, we were like, and what makes him kind of like when we're, we're watching it. We talked about how he's like Gus Fring-esque yeah. from Breaking Bad because mm-hmm. he does have this like seemingly sign of like he's he's haunting because it's you get the impression that he's done it before or at least he has a high enough intelligence where he's like talking very quietly and making it seem like they have control or like, look, we just want you to get out. And then once it's gone too long, look, we all know what's happening here. That's what's so scary about his performance is he leans into the charm so much. I Mm -hmm. love it when he's trying to talk them out of the room. He uses every piece of logic that you would. He's super friendly and calm like a hostage negotiator. And as soon as that guy, as soon as Yelchin sticks his arm out the door, he has skinheads machete his arm as much yeah. as they can. Yeah. And it's just the contrast between a second ago, he was very convincingly saying, look, it's just an unregistered gun and I don't want to found on the premises, so this has to happen. And, I lo- and it's so quiet. And then the guy goes, well, then why can't you call the cops and they come back? We'll wait however mm-hmm. long. And he immediately goes like, look, you son of a bitch. Like, yeah. Yeah. he goes from this zero to happen. Like, you know what's fucking going to happen. We'll fucking kill you, dude. By the way, just so everyone knows, Mike, you had seen this once before. Yes. And we watched it with your roommate, John, who's mm-hmm. a friend of all of us, John Conway. But it was... Your and I, yeah, Robert's yeah. first time seeing this. I'd film. never seen this before. And I remember my first reaction to when Kevin got uh, his arm cut off, uh, basically. Cut up. Cut up. <laughs> that uh, it went to the bone. Like, someone verified on, like, IMDb, like, the wounds were deep enough that he would, he would have 
definitely passed out within minutes and he would have not survived longer than an hour <laughs> like you would not survive the length of the film i right. mean you'd have you'd have had to tourniquet it you they, could, they you, duct tape they duct tape yeah that's not really that's not a tourniquet no but it's it's forgivable movie medicine what i like is that he's never quite at a hundred percent and usually that, when that, someone gets shot yeah. in the arm you see them it, it the effects of it are gone. They shrug they, it they off they after 20 once. minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And this, he's clearly like low on blood the rest of the movie. Yeah. And he's not really good at anything. Like what's her name? Imogene Poots has to handle all of the shooting people. Yeah. She like, gets shot in the leg. It's funny yeah. you call her capable. Cause I would say, and maybe they're one in the same when you're in this kind of situation, she's the verifiable sociopath. I don't on their think side. so. Okay. So here's the main piece of evidence to me is no, I think you can, rationalize and have killer instinct for self-defense because you realize these people are Nazis. You're stopping them from killing other people. I get all that. But she's bonded with Anton Yelchin. What's his name? Kevin? Mm -hmm. Kevin. She's bonded with Kevin. And at the end, their plan involves him distracting a dude and her sneaking up and killing him. And she walks up as slowly as she can, like savoring the moment that she's going to slit his throat. And that was the one moment where I was like, oh, she's a sociopath because she's not even concerned for her allies' well-being. I think there's an argument that maybe she just understands that running in quickly to try to handle a situation like that and maybe fucking it up because you're sprinting over there rather than taking the cool, calm approach is not the way to succeed like i think she and i think the reason she and patrick stewart are kind of similar characters on different sides of the emotional spectrum um and patrick stewart they're both people who are dominant in situations that are terrifying because they don't get scared that's why patrick stewart seems so in control is because everybody else is clearly freaking out and he's very calm and has a plan and she is the same way. But she's also shocked the first half of the movie about her friend dying. And yeah. when she gets, there's a point at which she gets over that and starts effectively acting. And she's always very slow and methodical because she's being effective and thinking through her actions. And I, I don't know that I'd call that evidence that she's a sociopath because we don't see any evidence of like unusual cruelty. I think really, she might just- if you decided that to get out of this situation as happens. Uh, there's a giant six foot five bouncer who wants to murder you all and he's stronger than you. And it's only a matter of time before he breaks out. You got a box cutter zipper open this guy's tummy. Well, if would you do it slowly with your eyes open? I'd do it as fast as I could and be done with it. Yeah, that scene is <laughs> Or just cut his neck. Uh, well, but by the way, her friend was around his neck, though. Because yeah, remember, Yelchin there was another was guy. Or not like, Yelchin, scruffy drummer. Just want, she just wanted to kill him. The, the belly <clears> was the only the easiest open area, but yeah, the sure. slowness with which I agree she with her choice. I creepy. just thought she yeah. did it in a creepy way. Uh, by Amazing the way, visual effects redaction. Yeah. I don't know why someone, uh, Anton Yelchin's, uh, mm-hmm. arm wound. No, he, his character's name is Pat. Pat. Okay. Someone okay. wrote in the diagnosis of like duct tape wouldn't work. Mm. They called him Kevin for some oh, reason, but it was oh. internet yeah. bullshit. Okay. So it, the internet got it wrong, which means the duct tape I verified would work. Sorry, you know, I mean, for the no, first time. If you've got minutes. a big flesh wound, duct tape is not a bad thing. But, like, I mean, if you're cut through the bone like that and you're cutting all an you artery, got. you're going to want to, well, you're going to want to go above the blood and just with a belt or whatever the right. hell you have. And my comment on it wasn't that it was, like, 
it wasn't a more about like, aha, you did it wrong. This person would be dead. It was more of kind of like what you were saying, where it's like the things we'll believe for movies yeah, in order to make it more like fun or, you know, structurally sound or whatnot. We, if we're having a good time, we'll buy a lot. Of yeah. Things. And that was not across that line for yeah. me. Oh, I actually think this movie, one of its main strengths is it, is it does that very, very little if you average it against other movies, like even Dark Knight takes advantage of you forgetting things through movie magic way more than this. I thought, as you said, Robert, like it's, it basically devolves into a thing where you're cutting back and forth and they're cat and mouse and you see the cat's plan and the mouse's plan and they just unfold. And I think it's really cool how at every point they played to the top of their intelligence, even if that was just Mm -hmm. average level intelligence. Yeah. There was never a point where, which most movies fail where you think through the villain's plan and they're like, why doesn't he just do this? Like, yeah. there's a way more obvious, easy thing to do. Everything yeah. they do seems very reasonable. And the villains are clearly freaked out. This is nobody wanted the night to go this way. Like, so it's that's yeah. In it, fact, it, that's a line at one point. Yeah, it, I will say what I like about one of the things I really like about this movie, and I love Die Hard, but this is basically the opposite of Die Hard. Like, Die Hard is a large number of incredibly competent terrorists with a methodical plan take over this building or take put a bunch of innocent people in a dangerous situation and one of them breaks it out. And this is where a group of bad guys and a group of innocent people stumble into a dangerous situation together simultaneously Mm -hmm. and then all murder each other. Right. Uh, It's It's it's, just a Charlottesville. It's just a meat (laughs) grinder. Yeah. Wolf. What, what Meat are they? Wolf. Meat Wolf. Yeah, Flesh Wolf or think whatever. Flesh yeah. Wolf. Which is the band name. Speaking of Flesh Wolf, a lot of dog kills in this thing. Yeah. Tiger yep. gets his throat ripped out by a dog. And we talked he about sure does. a so lot does, of... Uh, maybe. So does maybe. Aaliyah. Yeah. yeah. We, we talked Sam. about how uh, we referenced uh, Brawl in Cell Block 99 for just visceral kills. You know, yeah. at one point, Emily is... Like just grabbed by the knife that's lodged in her head by Worm, the murderer. Oh yeah, and just like carried across the room, the room, and just just to show people that he's be- like that he he's doesn't hard, and like, he doesn't care you. about yeah. bodies, and he's like he'll cut on flesh for yeah, no uh, problems. What was your second to last song, bro? He's like, uh, I forget, like Screaming Eagles, Toxic Death, Toxic Evolution, Toxic Evolution. It was hard. I like it. That's the one I did her to. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, that's when I killed her. That's when I stabbed her in the side of the head. Which I, is either just ego, like, I'm so hard, or that it's, it's like he, he thinks that, because I could also believe that this person is crazy enough that he's like, you guys are good, and that's what made, like, I also wanted to kill her, and your song, like, made me go over the edge, which is now, like, a psychological game. I know, super Like, punk, you caused this murder, you helped me with this yeah. murder. Uh, well, that's the, yeah, over. the big ginger guy, Worm, his name is Worm. Yeah, yeah. with an but, E. But uh, he just ends up taking poison heroin, because, which I love again, it's uh, the screenwriter having Darcy, Patrick Stewart, be logical and realistic rather than the movie yeah. structure yeah, thing. Yeah, Machiavellian. Because this is the guy who we saw kill the first victim, and he's a, he's a horrible guy. Yeah. So 
he should die shortly before Patrick Stewart dies. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you do classic movie structure, he should be a mini boss who's dispatched. Yeah, the good guy strangles him with a hanging right. metal chain. Die yeah. Hard follows yeah. these rules. Yeah. But instead, Patrick Stewart's like, give him poison heroin because he knows too much and he just takes it and, and dies. And he's a heroin like, addict. He's, he's just, done. A, yeah. yeah he's, he's just, I don't, we can't contain him because he's crazy. And you're like, that's probably smart. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> and this guy's a red boot laces too, which is the sign in mm-hmm. Nazi. Red laces i think means they've let you into the inner circle you are you know they're you've dealing shed heroin. blood for the movie you know yeah, all the you secrets. shed blood and therefore when we're like do you need to take care of something yeah it needs to be taken care of now you drop everything like it's your lifestyle now yeah and there's only a few of them that really seem to have red laces uh the guy who's kind of like the stage manager yeah by the end of the film it. gets him i was so proud of him when he got his red laces i know like, right really, he, he really finally he's been working really Nazi. hard for that yeah uh, Every time a dog rips off their faces, a Nazi gets his red laces. Like a wonderful life thing. Oh, Jesus. We should reshoot It's a Wonderful Life, but yeah. about Nazis in the mm. Pacific Northwest. And yeah, Santa, we should. Santa's Patrick Stewart. Do That's and what he's we should do. Yeah. <laughs> Let's devote ourselves to that. <laughs> well, that's it for podcasting. <laughs> We're looking for ad sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> I did notice this time, because it was the second time watching it, I don't know, maybe I should have noticed it the first time, but I really liked how I feel like there are a bunch of times where they carefully undermine, like we said, tropes where you're like, oh, it'll go this way in a normal movie. And it's not that they totally reverse it. They just give a slightly more grounded, realistic version of what would probably really happen, including the pacing of the deaths. Like, it's weird how... You're so used to horror movies being like every 15 minutes someone dies and at the end there's one or two left or yeah. zero yeah. if it's that dark. Yeah. But in this it's like no one dies, no one dies, one person dies, one person's wounded, no one dies, most of them die <laughs> yeah. all of a sudden. There's just two left. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but I like how Tad in his interview basically says, well he sets up a trope I, th- I know Abe wants to talk about where he asks what their favorite bands are and they all give punk answers because they're like projecting a persona. No, they're not. They they give terrible answers. No, they say no. In the first iteration, they give good punk answers. On the po- like, on the podcast, yeah. I thought that they gave like the, Miley Cyrus. And no, stuff. no, no. The one guy does as a joke, yeah. but the first ones do the Misfits, the Damned, like okay. good punk shit, and then the guy goes Miley Cyrus as a joke. Because then remember the payoff is anyway. My point being, in that interview, Tad also asked them what punk is, and they describe it basically as. A come like it's bullshit to listen to it on records or MP3. It's about the live show because it's about coming together for a high energy event filled with chaos that you can only experience communally in the public space. And then one guy even leans in and goes, "Plus technical wizardry," which is what tipped this off to me. And they're like, and then it dissipates, and you walk away with your mind a little raw, and it doesn't really matter what you learned from it. It was just a roller coaster ride. Mm-hmm. And I think that's obviously, oh, like that's a, the movie. That's like, yeah. And I love how they, you can expect. they even sneak in, there's going to be technical wizardry. Because the gore effects really are pretty dope in mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. I think the real hero of this movie is uh, Rick Silvo. Which one is Rick Silvo? Rick Silvo is the off-screen character who just, when it's just now, I believe, Amber and Patrick... And they're like, he begins to tell a story. He's like, and that's the thing. Rick Silva with this paintball thing. He just had all these Marines coming at him. Oh, and he's yeah. telling that story. And then he gets interrupted. And that's, and then 
you immediately as an audience, as I did, I was like, finish the fucking story. See, I didn't want him to because I thought that was a cool trope subversion. And then, yeah. like, and then he does finish it. And I'm like, it's acceptable that he finishes it. But you got it. it. But it's like a Chekhov's gun. Mm-hmm. I like when Chekhov's gun go unused and they're like, fuck you. We didn't use it. Not everything yeah. has to happen. Don't love it. But I don't can, love it. I, I'm sure there's a version I could like. I just, as a principal, I don't think anyone's above. But I do. But we they, did have a Chekhov's dog that didn't go off in someone's face. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. A red, a, uh, a, red mm-hmm. a red. A Pavlov's dog, a if red you will. pit bull. Yeah, there's a pit bull who gets poison, and the dog expert who knows everything about dogs for some reason. Dog boy. Goes the like, Nazi dog expert. This shot will keep this dog alive for precisely one hour. <laughs> and then they let it go, and the camera hovers on it for a long time. I, so I did think it meant something as that dog slowly walks into the woods. And then way later in the movie, you're like, that dog's going to come running out of somewhere. It's going to fuck up a, one of the last two heroes. It yeah. does show up. But just to lay down on the corpse of dog guy mm-hmm. to be like, I love my master, even though he was a Nazi. Right. Yeah. But I don't know what that statement is. Dogs are loyal. Yeah, it was I just know. it was to keep tension up because you see like yeah. they were dispersing. The last action scene was interspersed with cuts of that dog running through the woods. So you yeah. think like, oh, they're going to have the Nazis dead to rights and then a dog's going to rip somebody's fucking arm off and then right. everything's in play again. But that doesn't happen. They just shoot the Nazis to death very easily. They just have easily. other dogs that yeah. tear out them. Yeah, Next of people. I love how Patrick Stewart's demise again is mundane. Like, I love how he tries to keep his dignity. Like, they shoot his two henchmen, and he's standing there, and there's like people that he wronged with guns, and the crime scene's already set up for them to get away with it. Yeah, and so obviously it's like you know, and I know you know, and you know I know, and he just puts his chin up and turns around and walks away like I won't dignify this he murder with a response. He throws his arms up. He's like, fuck this. Like, this fuck is, this shit. This is yeah. nonsense. You won't shoot me and of course they will. Yeah. Because why wouldn't they shoot I him love at this it. point? Is that, is that going to be your last words? I love that line right before he shoots him. In oh the, yeah, the, what the are his last words? Uh, I don't know what his last words are. I wrote it down. He, I think he says fuck this or something like that. No, because she says... Uh, Give me your gun. I'll shoot you either way. If you don't give me one, I like that line. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. So he says, like, because uh, still, which is kind of weird to me, but I understand this is how humans are. Patrick still has trouble killing humans. <laughs> like, yeah. Still has trouble pulling the trigger. But he knows he has to, so they're about to kill these three Nazis in the field, and he says, this is a nightmare. And Darcy again I can't believe at this late date, like, yeah. tries to be like, we can defuse it. He's like, yes, it's been a nightmare for all of us. <laughs> and she says, please tell me those are his last stupid fucking words. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they are. They shoot him right in his glorious dome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And little blood spurts up. Yeah. So it's it's satisfying Nazis. I I like the punk good guys, but I didn't care for them enough that it was a bummer when they got killed. All the action scenes were good. That yeah, that's something we were talking about when we were watching it. As at, at like right before Act One broke, uh, I was like, huh, these I don't like our main characters. They kind of seem like tools. And then I went and researched later that night uh, about it. Uh, the that's intentionally. That was the director's nod. The nod was like these people who are ill-equipped for 
most things in life yeah. ha- are going to have to get their way out of one of the most horrifying situations of all time. They are they are good, clearly good at being a punk band mm-hmm. because even a bunch of Nazis are willing to dance to their music after they insult the Nazis. And they're so. friendly enough and nice to their friends. Like yeah. they're not raging assholes. Yeah, or they're, you don't hate them. They've no. clearly got tempers, but they're clearly only good at playing punk songs and siphoning gasoline. Right. They're and not even good at driving because they wake up having crashed into a cornfield. And field. I agree that you like. <laughs> You don't get invested in any of them enough that you're that you need to pause and grieve when any of them dies. Right. And the movie knows that. Yeah. Because there's never a scene where someone slowly dies and the sad music also, comes. They're... The movie's like, yeah, one down. Now there's four left. Keep moving. It's the a... tactic is pretty amazing. How they end up beating the Nazis too, which is kind of guerrilla warfare yeah. in essence, because it's like constant distraction, fucking with you psychologically. It's punk. It's it's kind of punk. It's just throwing everything. Well, at the, there's nothing more punk shit. than the Viet Cong, and they very much play by that playbook where yes. they're like, okay, they've got guns. There's more of them. We have to constantly keep pressure on them and keep them off balance and use subterfuge until we get them in a situation where their guns aren't as useful. And, that's and exactly let's what literally they do. put war paint on our faces and go down in a hidey hole. Yeah. It's well, pretty Viet Cong. Declare, what, what, are, what else are you going to do exactly. at that point? Declare yeah. I am Odin. Yeah. You know, like it's just let's go feel. for it. Go for just, it. I love uh, how Amber de- like uses the body multiple times mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Her friend uses her friend's own dead body Big to Justin, yeah. solve the problem and like throws everything is a tool. Yeah, everything is a tool, and just like, what is it going to do? I don't know. It's probably going to throw you off for like a split second, which is when yeah. my friend can kill you. I like how many Nazis get a fire extinguisher blast to the face right before they get killed. Yeah, it's fun, as if to be like. You want to be white and pure? You're Here, you're pure fucking white. Now I'm going to machete you in the neck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, some good macheteing in this movie. Yeah. One of the better machete-based sets of murders. Better that I've than seen machete. In a while. For machete effects, I yeah, got to say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I like I like all of the gunshots. Every single shot fired counts. The There's no blasts, bullshit use of guns in this. The shotgun blast in the bartender's head is rough. Yeah, yeah. that's a. It's I like that though. If you're going to use guns, make it ugly and make it really brutal. And that this is. There's not a single wasted shot in this. And I always that always gets extra points for me. I right. always love movies more when they track the number of bullets in play yeah. and it matters. Yeah, we were talking about that with Blood Simple. Does an amazing job of that. Like because it matters later. It I, matters that there's five bullets and in which order they are in the chambers if right. you track them in the movie you know yeah. which bullet is for who uh i actually i i don't know why i didn't think of it and or what we couldn't think of it of the day because we're all like that's the poster and the cover for like the blu-ray or the menu we all recognize that it was a famous like album cover it's, or shirt or something it's the clashes london yeah, calling calling the bassist smashing yeah, it's a great poster. It's we rarely great, gonna, but he's got a machete. Yeah. We're rarely going to comment on promotional images outside the film. But it's but fantastic. The image they went for marketing with this is the guy in the London Calling pose, but he's slamming a machete, presumably, mm. into some Nazi's windpipe. Yeah, and in a way, this whole movie is symbolic of, of the greater struggle over the soul of punk and that actual punks need to murder all the Nazi punks, mm. which I think I'd is fun, cool with fair that. to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I think it's worth men- mentioning with empathy. that yeah. our roommate, John, who we, you mentioned we watched it with, had a theory that we all agree is a stretch. But in case it tickles anyone, we should. I, th- I promised him I'd throw it out, which is that Tiger's the lead singer and he gets his throat ripped out. Uh, the scruffy drummer gets, what, something to his spine or back? 
Uh, yeah, the back is and the fine. drum drumming's the backbone of the band. But mm-hmm. we were we like pushed him to do it when the drummer when it's like it, he, I was on board when he was like, oh yeah, the singer gets his throat whipped out. Okay, maybe you're on. The, no, this, that's too much of a stretch. And then we were like, well, what about maybe she's the lead guitarist yeah. and she, she also just, just gets, gets eaten throat. by a dog? Yeah, yeah. yeah. maybe but they he just was, wanted he to also have a couple people that, get eaten by uh, dogs. Pat is the bassist and he almost loses his arm, but he doesn't die from it. But mm. like it's such a stretch. Is that to say that any band can live without its bassist? Because that's something I can get behind. I know there's Def Leppard had a one arm drummer, but I don't think there's a one arm bassist that's played with success. Yeah. Well, they're there's no worse. Feet bassists. I don't know any famous bassists. Bassists. Wait, mm. you don't know any famous bass players? No, with only one arm. With oh, only one oh, arm. right. Yeah, yeah. List five famous bass players. I can only list Getty Lee, and you know that. You know that, Michael. You don't know John Entwistle? What? Nobody knows John Entwistle. He brought the thunder, dude. Paul Simon? He didn't bring shit. because Paul Simon is an excellent bassist. I'll back that up. Sting. All right, so people know him for the fucking Why are we doing this? Because it's a perfect segue into the second half of the Desert Island Discs question. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Which is when... Uh, we just have to mention it, I think, and we should say whether we thought it was cool or stupid, because I think we actually have differing opinions. Yeah. The through line is uh, they give cool punk answers or joke answers, that, which is another way to seem cool, mm-hmm. as we all well know. Um, then later on, when they think they're all going to die, they give their quote-unquote real answers. Like someone says Prince, someone says, I forget, like Madonna, like wussy bands that are good. I think uh, Aaliyah says Simon and Garfunkel. And then the through line is Anton and Yelchin, who's one of the only two to survive, never knows what to pick. And then at the end of the movie, he says to Imogen Poots, the only other surviving character, I thought of it. And she goes, what? And he goes, what band I would take to the desert island? Do you want to know what it is? And she goes, tell someone who gives a shit. (laughs) End of movie. Very punk. Mm -hmm. What do you think of that? Because it's a three B. Why I go first? Yeah, because I remember you spout shooting off your big bazoo during while it was happening. I just thought it was a empty gesture. Uh, I wasn't shooting my mouth off, or if I was your big bazoo, uh, my big bazoo. Uh, if I was, I, I would like to tone myself down then, or something, or I was crazy, or something. Uh, I just think it was a uh, really. It doesn't add anything to it. Um, I mean, there's something about making decisions or being indecisive I could see, but it doesn't really resonate with the rest of the themes that are going on with the film. Like, it's not about indecisiveness, really. Someone can make a stretch argument about it. Uh, The idea of them finding identity through bands could be a stretch, but I could, you know, about, like, self-identity and, like, these mm-hmm. are all stretches. Like, I cannot find a single reason why that question is relevant as a three-beat structure that kind of signposts there are acts. Like, why is it a relevant question at all? Or is it just a red herring, which in both cases, that's all the cases I see. Mm-hmm. Like, it means nothing or it means something that I can't extrapolate using my mind, and usually I can. Or someone And when those argue. are both true, you when don't like it usually, yeah. I'm just like, eh. Why did it do it? Thoughts? I mean, I think everything doesn't have to mean anything, and it's punk. It's, it's just like it's, it, it's. Sometimes nothing means anything. It's like sometimes it's just loud music for you to hit other people to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's whatever. I don't know. Like I, I, I liked. I thought it was in character for Imogen Poots because she doesn't like these people aren't friends. 
Yeah. Like, and they're, her, when the rest of his friends are alive and they're making a plan and she speaks up, like, she gets kind of cut out of the conversation. So I like that that was consistent. Like, just the fact that they've went through this together doesn't mean she likes him. Like, she would never hang out with this guy. She likes hanging out with big meathead Nazis for whatever reason. Can right, it you? should be noted. She was originally Nazi sympathetic. She's not, like, against Nazi policies. She was in the circle. She was, she in was there Lace, to she enjoy the music did. with her yeah. Nazi friends. She just flips sides because she sees her friend get stabbed in the goddamn head. I yeah. uh, want to, if you don't mind, I want to ask you a question, which I agree with you. I yield to you entirely that uh, punk doesn't necessarily necessitate a statement. <laughs> mm-hmm. But do you think that this film has a statement? <sighs> That's a harder question. I think... One, two, three, go! I don't know. I don't, I don't see a deep statement in this film. I see this film as what, what it sounds like the director wanted to do, where he was like, what if a bunch of kids who are okay at being punk musicians but not good at anything else, and a bunch of Nazis who are okay at selling drugs and running a shitty venue, but not mm-hmm. much else, have to deal with an intractable situation mm-hmm. that we as very, like, presumably the audience is smarter than any of the, most of the characters involved, that we couldn't think our way through. What hat, like, and it's just a big bloody shit show. And so let's film that because it sounds like it'll be a, a tense movie that leaves you feeling, yeah, like raw and, and kind of like you've been through the ringer. Like, I think that may have been the only point of it. And I think it did a good job at that. I gotta That's say, fair. when I think about what I would do in that situation, I don't think of the band members as notably dumb. No, but they're no, not they smart are, either because they're they give not up equipped. The gun. They're not resourceful in the way that a movie character often is where they yeah. think of something clever and that makes the audience go, oh, that's cool. I never would have thought of that. They only think of standard logical things that a reasonable person would try to do. Mm. Uh, but I'm just saying... If I were in that situation, I don't think I'd think of anything more clever. I'd probably just do the reasonable things you would try to do, mm-hmm. you know, best. Like when he's negotiating over the gun and the bullets, I couldn't think of anything better to say that would give you more leverage. Yeah, because you I just stay there. in an impossible situation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that's sometimes that's life is to impossible situations. Yeah, so fuck it all kind of yeah. sometimes in those yeah. atti- is, with that attitude. I see that. I just want to say I really liked the... I agree. I liked the Desert Island Discs thing. Mm. I don't think it needs to mean anything, and I see why it's cheap, but I do think this movie gets like a get-out-of-jail-free card with meaning because it's based on punk, which Mm -hmm. doesn't require meaning, and because its thematic sentence was, it's just a bunch of energetic shit happening. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I definitely, I'm not, trust me, I don't hate it. I don't hate the concept in the movie or the idea that punk is... Uh, like has a particular statement that is a non-statement relative to what you compare to it. You right. know, like it may have a statement. I'm not d- taking away a statement from punk. I'm saying sometimes if you're on the other side of the fence and you look at punk, you look at it and you go like, well, that's not a statement at all. I'm saying there's value in punk. Just I'm getting just, your energy up and yeah, then letting absolutely. it out. Yeah. I guess it's just uh, when it comes down to films, the way I like films I like, yeah. Uh, and I did enjoy this. This was a lot of fun, fucking mm-hmm. lot of fun. Uh, and I liked, I liked all. Like it didn't. The older I get, the more I like stop caring about movies that have like sequences that are just like fucking awesome, and more 
that because that's what I would do when I was a kid is like, look at that fucking that's amazing. Or usually um, the werewolf's riding a yeah, bus. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, usually now it's uh, usually that it doesn't fuck up. And this movie, yeah. I'll say, which is really high yeah. praise in my opinion, it does not fuck up. No. <laughs> it constantly is solid the whole way through. So it gets like an A. But uh, I, I guess it's just like when you go to the multiple course meal and you have all these, like, they give you drinks that are like, oh, oh, my palate, it's delicious. That's what this film is. An hors d'oeuvre, uh, many different things, just just cavalcade. Of- oh, yeah. This film is nothing if not a classy French restaurant, yeah. high dining experience. But to continue the metaphor bef- before I was interrupted, <laughs> no, uh, the, I, I don't have my meat and my potatoes. I don't get to walk home at night and think about it. I, uh... I don't, I, I may, like, yeah, it, it, it may not leave me as full, but sometimes all I want to see is a really totally. fucked up situation somebody conjured up, and then I want to see that situation displayed in the most realistic way possible. That's why heat is fun. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, well, let's think about, like, what happens if, like, there's this real bank robbery, and you've got competent cops on one side and competent criminals on the other. Stuff works the way that it does in the world. How does this go down? I think, like, the, it's fun to watch. And this is, yeah. there's two people in a room over a body, the people outside are willing to kill so that nobody else learns about the body. Like, there's no way to contact the police. What What the hell do you do? What happens? And yeah. I, this is a satisfying uh, depiction of a scenario that's interesting. And I like that. I do as well. And it, it I, I could say, as somebody who spent a lot of time in the Pacific Northwest in a Nazi town in the Pacific Northwest where there's a lot of... These kinds of people. You can say Portland. It's okay. No, no, it's no, not I'm Portland. I'm talking fucking Josephine I know, County. I know. I know. Uh, it, it, they get like the they get that kind of rural Oregon racist motherfucker really mm. right because, mm. yeah, I don't know. It, it it all looked good. That's that's a big fact to me. Like everything felt real and nothing felt excessive. Like. They they didn't try to depict the Nazis as this like overpowering force. It was like no, they've got this shitty venue and some trailers, and they're cooking cheap drugs in the basement and right. running shit shows with shit beer, and uh, that's still a lot to encounter when you have to siphon gas to get by and you have one phone between the four of you. Right, and that's yeah, fun. Well, they don't have to be villainous masterminds to kill you with a gun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But also, in fact, I, they're poor shots. I like that. Like, they're clear. clearly not pulling out the good. Like, all these guys are fucking right wing fascists in Oregon. Militia they have, types. They have nicer guns than they brought out, but they had to get like, what's the stuff the cops can't trace to us? Which stuff can we, we can throw, throw away? In the river. So it's like old shotguns. Thirty-eight and, specials. Yeah, and shit. Yeah, yeah. It's their shit that they're bringing out because yeah. it's a scary situation. Yeah, I like that. Well, it was all I, thought out. I won't bring it up and again, I promise. But I just also want to say I think you can extrapolate a cool thing from the Desert Island Disc thing because in the first case, it shows that punk is partially persona obsessed and projecting a persona yeah. constantly. And then in the second iteration, it shows how under tremendous stress, your personas all drop away. And in the third instance, it shows how, as you said, after a traumatic experience, things that used to seem important don't matter at all anymore. Mm-hmm. So uh, you can, if you want, to get things out of it. I think, yeah, that's true. That it, There is a... The... The... the You're on an island question is more about how do you spend your time mm-hmm. on an, a desert island. 
Yeah. I, I do agree that there's some survival aspect of both questions, like that question, but usually people don't answer like, what's your CD that you'd have for a desert island? They'd be like, something that I could cut into a weapon. You know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I see what your point is. I don't need to fall on this. Do you guys think there's any meaning behind that it's called and based and like they're constrained largely to the green room? The idea of like preparation or getting ready? I don't think there necessarily is. I just occurred no. to me I think to the ask. green room is where the murder happens. So it is. Yeah. But that's, I think, it's no getting out of No metaphorical level. Um, if it is, it's beyond me. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean. Oh. Mm. So. Well, I don't know. Do you guys, do you guys, anyone have other like deep philosophical points? Otherwise I want to move on to like fun trivia. <laughs> I mean, nope. <sighs> Hit me with some trivia. I was just reading the paintball story that Pat tells is a real experience writer, director, Jeremy Solinier had. Oh. Uh, so the guy you mentioned who's the off-screen hero is a real person Yeah, <laughs> who did as said in the story. Yeah. I think his name is different in real life, but his name in the movie is Rick Silvo. Real name, Rick Spears. Everyone go look him up, play paintball with him. He's <laughs> apparently like Private Winter from Band of Brothers. He just runs at the enemy firing wildly. And Actually, laughing. he's more like Spears from Band That's, of Brothers. Uh, You're yeah, right. Yeah. Winter is Winter's the no-nonsense quiet. And you know what? Yeah. I, there's another thing Spears. that made me think about. Spears is like Spears. That's insane. There's another thing that makes me think about Spears in this that I didn't bring up earlier because I thought it was up. But Spears is the guy who, when he's talking to that rookie later in Band of Brothers, is like, you're already fucking dead. And the only way to get out of <laughs> yeah. this is to accept that you're already dead. And both of our... I guess the two people left alive at the end of the movie first have to accept like, okay, it's a suicide run. Let's paint our faces and scream. I am Odin and char like, and just accept that we're fucked. Mm. And that's what gets them out that's of it. Gives them the upper hand. Yeah. Yeah. They do do that. Like, okay, well we're dead. Fuck it. Let's just, right. let's just go Did out as violently that. as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause so he made another movie called blue ruin, but he has publicly said that it's not, his films aren't themed. But this is interesting. It speaks to what you like said. color and, themed? And I didn't catch this. I, I didn't think of them as that incompetent. But the director does, he considers it part of his, quote, inept protagonist trilogy, mm. all based on the concept of protagonists who are not as capable as your standard protagonists. Yeah, they're no more inept than an average person would be in that situation, but they're, they're as not, inept as an average sure, person would but be there's in that things I just that keep them never, from being normal, though. It's but most thriller movies, further. I end up in my head going, just do this, you fucking idiots. And in this, I was like, that's really all they could do. Right. Which I think is a strength. I don't know. Like, if they all had phones, maybe mm, things would yeah. I know it's like buying in system and it's anti-punk, I don't think he's saying that that's a defam uh, defamation of punk. I think he's just saying these people are particularly unsuited. Yeah, yeah, because uh, they don't because have any phones. Their lifestyle choices, yeah. not that their lifestyle choices are bad. It's just this is not a situation. Like if you chose never to touch water are, and you were on a boat. Yeah, they are trying to subsist as basically as possible while doing as little as possible in society. Right. They, they siphon gas. They haven't honed a lot of skills. They're, yeah, They're good at siphoning they're gas, playing, though. They're That's playing true. gigs for $6. <laughs> I don't think they eat once in the movie. <laughs> they, but they always have tall boys, they which is very boys. punk. Very punk. Oh, I didn't even notice this. Last trivia point. The first and last words spoken in the film are the same. So I don't even remember how, what's the very first shot, but apparently it's someone saying, tell someone who gives a shit. 
I don't know. I don't know what the uh, first for, I have in my notes, first shot is Anton Yelchin waking up in their crashed van in the cornfield. There's corn all around them, which someone shouted out, oh, they're in a green room. Because <laughs> oh, there's yeah, corn yeah, okay. all around them. <laughs> the driver fell asleep and crashed. There's a skating rink 11 <laughs> miles away. I don't remember anyone saying, ask someone who gives a shit as the Maybe first line. Maybe just shit? Whatever, yeah. I don't know. Someone says shit. So the first oh, word and last word sure. are the same? Or oh, like Finnegan's shit. Wake. That's it's not a fucking sentence. intentional. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This movie's supposed to be deeply cyclical. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you have to know 22 languages in order to read it entirely. <laughs> it was written in, by James Joyce. Uh, surprisingly light punk uh, soundtrack. Yeah, I was happy with that. Oh, you were glad that it didn't yeah. have long fight it sequences had, it, set to punk music? <laughs> that would have been intolerable. <laughs> I think My brother would have loved that. Yeah, I'm not a huge punk guy, but uh, yeah. I had my punk phase, which means I guess I'm a poser to real punks Fucking out there who listen to this. Yeah. You pay rent, motherfucker. That Your shirt sure. doesn't I have rent, holes in mother- it. Yeah. Yes, I do You're pay You're relatively rent. clean. Mm-hmm. Your relatively. breath doesn't smell like gasoline. Well, it does, but not because you were siphoning it. Yes. You are not punk, my friend. Uh, I just have a problem with I gasoline. just siphon for the joy of siphoning. What does that make <laughs> me? Just as a, as, I don't even use it in my car. Still gasoline? Or do you just sit at home and move liquid from one jug to another jug? Kind of depends on the day, but yeah, okay. I, I'm a multi-liquid siphoner. I know that life. My pappy used to be a siphoner himself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he would siphon this and that and all the way around jail. They said it was in the blood, which yeah. we also siphoned. Also a horrible Nazi. <laughs> siphon the first load of water up the Panama. Now, the locks were the tough part. (laughs) Long long tube is required. Um, Well, great. I want to thank uh, Morgan again. It was a. I loved watching the movie again. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, I really enjoyed seeing it. I'm bewildered. Someone wanted my take on it particularly, but I hope they got what they wanted out of this. I think they're just a great fan of your greatness. Speaking of which. Where can people find what you're up to? Uh, I have a podcast called Behind the Bastards. Uh, it's on the Stuff Network. It drops every Tuesday. You can find it on Stitcher or iTunes. I got a book called A Brief History of Vice. It's in Amazon. You can buy it and read it like today. You could be reading it in seconds. Have you seen that uh, book that Vice put out where they cover like underwear from all throughout time? The Vice History of Briefs. Oh, oh, oh! Been sitting on that one for That's a while. Good. I should oh. pitch that book series. Well, no. The fact it's that it's boring. not a real thing and it's just a joke made by you makes me a lot more sad. Yeah. That's how I like to end it. Abe, where can people find our shit? Uh, small beans. You're listening to it. What are we oh, on? Yeah. Stitcher, iTunes. We. It's good to Everything. shout out in Instagram. case they're like, oh, I didn't know you're on well, iTunes. Well, on Instagram, we're called Small Beans Comedy because Small Beans was taken by some folk singer. So yeah. How are they? Are they good? I didn't watch. But <laughs> uh, a opportunity. Yeah, our twi- I mean, our Twitter is mostly run through Michael's yeah, shit. Yeah, but say yours. I'm you, you don't get at enough Abe shine. the Mighty. Abe the Mighty. And you're, I'm at Swame underscore Corp. And we're found, uh, and you can listen to this podcast if you're listening to it on YouTube. If you give to our Patreon, you can get it earlier. That's true. And it's on Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud. We're working any, on Spotify. Working on Spotify. But that's kind of the update. If you haven't heard it in a while, this has been Frame Rate. Thanks for coming, Robert. Yeah, th- I, sh- I, 
I'm trying to find something to Bye. scream at the end. Here. No. This has been a small beans endeavor. We're a bunch of pals who make podcasts, sketches, music, web series, and movies. The beans always have new ideas percolating, so make sure to check us out at patreon.com slash smallbeans. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash smallbeans, where you can browse all of our current and past content, see what we've got planned in the future, and learn how your support can help the small beans grow into huge giant monster beans. If you enjoyed this content module, please like, rate, subscribe, or tell a friend about us. We love you!